Hey everyone, welcome back to the Growing Lean podcast, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group. This is your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej. I'm happy to be here with Mark Snyderman, founder and managing partner of Next Point Ventures. Welcome, Mark. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about you and your business. So to get us started, can you give us a little bit about your background and history and how you ended up doing what you do today? Sure, it's kind of a it's kind of a a, a woven tale of uh, it starts with being an attorney and kind of ends up as both an attorney and an entrepreneur. So I started out going uh, as an attorney in New York City uh, in one of the corporate doing corporate and securities work. Uh, so working mostly in the fashion industry, uh, ended up moving on to an in-house job with one of the cable companies when they were going public which, you know, for a young business attorney is like sort of the dream that, you know, you get to do an IPO and you get to buy in the IPO. And then of course, you know, you watch the stock open and then you watch the stock just fall for six months while you're in total lockup because you can't do anything with your stock. Uh, so, but it was a great experience. I had, you know, four or five years learning mergers and acquisitions, uh, public filings, corporate and securities, and really actually became really familiar with what I was best at, which was, working with technical people and technology and translating what the engineers and technical people were doing into plain English uh, and writing really good agreements and helping them talk about what they do uh, and shed a good light on it from a security standpoint. Uh, left there and ended up with uh, an IT and engineering firm, uh, which started out as an attorney and ended up being the chief operating officer I actually ran that company for about 10 years as the chief operating officer, uh, helped support the growth. And we grew the company from 75 employees up to 300, uh, had a vision for where we could go with the company and just decided actually in the end, it was best for me to leave. And I still consult with the company. I still manage some programs for them. I still are outside attorney. I started a law firm and then I started my entrepreneurial ventures. So Next Point Ventures grew out of that. Uh, and really what it is, is... We focus on strategic investment, strategically investing our time, energy, and funds and capital in companies that are inflection points, really that either are you know kind of stuck in their growth their growth phase or they're you know just starting out some of them. So we have both our own uh, concepts that we're trying to bring to fruition as well as bringing other people's you know companies to the next level. Okay, amazing. And what is your overall business strategy at Next Point Ventures? I would say that the strategy is really to focus on uh, growth, growth, right? Uh, and that what I mean by that is, you know, that can be growth from by using by leveraging technology. We have a technology house uh, in Serbia. We have forty about forty developers over in Serbia that can help us support technology initiatives. Uh, marketing, uh, manufacturing, you name it, we kind of play in multiple levels. Uh, and wherever we see the biggest need, we can throw resources at that project to help push it over the over the inflection point. Okay, amazing. Um, awesome. And how have you adapted to changes in the economy globally over the last, I think, five years since you started? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been an adventure. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, I'm lucky in that 
I've spent a lot of my career working from home or, or, or from satellite offices. My entire law firm is built as a virtual firm uh, with the concept that you can use WeWorks or small offices if you need them just to have a place, uh, but never really building those big offices ever again. Uh, and, you know, so I kind of had that already in place. So I've already, I've always been pretty portable. So that helped a lot uh, in terms of, you know, the economy, it kind of became, you know, cause you being, uh, you know, networking became really difficult. I would say, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things that hit, you know, somebody like me was, you know, okay, well, you know, I used to go out and be out and about and networking events and all these things. And all of a sudden there's nothing, you know, cause you can't go anywhere. Uh, yeah. And zoom became your friend. But I also have a large social media presence that I've that I've developed over the years. So I spend, you know, I invest in building content. So I have a pretty decent content library that I build on a monthly basis and try to release, uh, you know, small form video, both on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, to build a brand and build knowledge and show the content that I have. And I think that's been highly effective for me. Uh, in terms of bringing more business in, in terms of the, you know, making projects happen, you know, I think it just became, you had to get leaner, you had to get meaner and you had, and you had to use technology more effectively. Uh, and I think, you know, we're always all trying to reach for what does that mean? Right. How do I, how do I leverage things? Right. There's just so many tools out there and then you get stuck in a tool and you try to figure out, okay, well, is this really the place I'm supposed to be? Like, you know, I would say we were using Monday.com a ton for project management. Uh, and, you know, and it, it's super effective and you can do a lot with it. But then you run into what happens when people aren't keeping it up to date. <laughs> and, you know, you yeah. have team members that aren't, as, that aren't as adopted and aren't, you know, they're not as bought into it. You know, do you switch to another one? Do you go to ClickUp? Do you go to, uh, do you use a different goal setting mechanism? Or do you just dumb it all down and say, forget it all? <laughs> so yeah. I think that's a struggle that I think, I don't know anybody that has it sort of locked down, right? I think we're all kind of trying to figure out, you know, what tools work with what tools and how do you make it work the best? And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, emails just torture, right? Because we all live, you know, we kind of live in it. But now, you know, I have, you know, maybe 15 or 20 different email addresses that I use that's, it becomes really hard to keep track of it all. Right. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. And to the point you made about networking becoming hard, I can totally relate to that during COVID. Uh, I was working as a realtor, real estate agent is what we call it. Yeah. Here. Um, and you, it's not the same, like bumping elbows. It's not <laughs> the same as shaking hands or no, in general, like networking. You, there's nothing like an old handshake and, yeah, it's still a bit awkward, like especially with the older generation. Um, like I, I don't know whether it's to go in for a handshake or a fist bump or an elbow. Yeah, and elbows and fist bumps don't they don't do the same as a handshake, you know? They do not. And so <laughs> at one point, for one of for one of uh one of my investments, uh, the the we had actually came up with a really interesting. We had these we had those you know the rubber band like the rubber kind of band things like used for charities and stuff. Yeah, we had made ones for our company that were red, yellow, and green. So if you were a green one, that meant you were like, you're kind of, you don't really care. And you're willing to go in, you could, you, you could come in for a handshake or a hug. I'm all good. Yellow was kind of like, Hey, arm, arm, arm bump me. 
like you know like or, or give me a kick in the shin or something and red was like don't touch me i am like you know a covid fear <laughs> like that's amazing I, I wish i thought of that back then they were they <laughs> were good the they, they worked really well for like uh because we were having an event we're like what are we gonna do like you know people don't like it you know people some people want to do something and then we're like yeah hey, we, we could do red yellow green it was it went work really well so yeah th there's nothing worse than going in for a handshake and then someone blocks you and, the, the and they back <laughs> off or they, they, get, yeah. they give you an elbow you're like Whoa. it was such a weird time but i'm glad we and we're reodorant today i think i'm okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly my shots um, are up to date you want to see my card <laughs> exactly exactly um and back to the point of like making use of tools that are available to you um besides for the ones you discussed are there any like tools especially now with the release of ai into the mainstream are there any of these yeah. new tools that you are making use of regularly yeah, so I would say, you know, we, we've, we've started to use, uh, you know, ChatGPT, obviously. I think everybody's kind of looking at it and, you know, leveraging it in some way. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, some of my projects, we've been looking to do uh, different AI-based tools that we're using, you know, on our own, that we've kind of built out our own tool sets. Uh, but obviously, you're always leveraging, you know, what's out there. Uh, I think there's a lot to do uh, and a lot to think about when you're when you're going to to figure out AI. Uh, you know, I mean, ChatGPT. You got to remember you're using old data, <laughs> so you got to really think about when you're using it and how you're using it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot you can do in terms of customer service, uh, all those kind of things. Like the, that front-facing initial, you know, okay, how are you handling your customers when they have a complaint or they have a question? You know, so that they feel like they're being touched and not just being, you know, routed by a telephone system. You know, there's there's definitely, you know, a lot you can do there. Uh, you know, we're we're I would say I don't think we've been tentative. Uh, maybe maybe tentative is a good word, right? To say in terms of how far we wanted to push the use of AI until we're really comfortable with what it's doing and how it's responding to things. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people that have jumped into it. I know that the, you know, in particular, like HR tech, there's a whole lot going on in HR tech for like responding to resumes, responding to, you know, for staffing and those kind of things. And it scares me because I always remember back to the, like, I remember the story of, and I think it was either, uh, it was either Amazon or Google was the, was one of the first ones to have released before ChatGPT came out their real AI, their, their, their real AI brain. And they had tested it with uh, resumes, right? So they tested it. They basically said, here's our highest flying people in the company and here's their resumes. So, okay, find us people using this, you know, find us people that are going to be these kind of, that are going to get us here. Well, what they didn't realize was they created a, a highly racist engine because you know, they looked at, you look at the their current executive pool, it was all, you know, white males <laughs> and <laughs> everything it, and it, 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 the, the AI engine basically learned from that and didn't find anybody in the resume pool that wasn't, even though it, you know, it just started, figured it out and found only white males again. So yeah, they shut exactly. them off, right? But, yeah. you know, so I, I still think there's a lot to think about. Uh, and how do we do things ethically? I mean, it, it obviously, you know, for calculations and things that, you know, that it can, that AI can do at lightning speed, we should be using it all the time. 
you know, I, I like I use I say I use it for uh like idea generation or cutting or cutting cutting down things that might, you know, if I have to brainstorm something and it might take me, you know, or my team must we do a brainstorming session. There's nothing wrong with start it with asking the AI tool to do some brainstorming for you because it's going to give you tons of ideas, right? Yeah. And you know, that's a great starting point. And I think, you know, I I have eight, I try 80 20 most things, right? You know, you say, can it get you 80% there? And then you could do the 20% that you need to do to make it really what, what it needs to be. Uh, we definitely use, I definitely used AI. I use some AI in some of my social media postings, right? And I'll use it again, I'll use it as an 80%, you know, yeah. write, write captions, but then you got to go in and tweak it, right? Yeah. I don't do anything where I let it just go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. When, when ChatGPT was first released, like last year, or when I first heard of it, I was like using it for everything, for emails, for yeah, anything I could think of. And then I slowly like started realizing that, or the more I looked into it, the more I realized that it was giving you the average answer. So what the average yeah. person would want to read. And I slowly started thinking like, this is actually really annoying because people are getting so many of these like generic ChatGPT exactly. written emails that it's actually more effective, even if it's like short and less precise to have a personal written email. So for things like that, I use my brain um, and I, I like that about me. <laughs> but then for like making meal plans or exercise routines or uh, anything like yeah, that, excellent it, use it's, of it's amazing. Or yeah. brainstorming names for like shops or e-commerce stores, which I've done in the past. Like it's it's excellent for that. But yeah. Like you said, you, you, you've got to be careful about what you let it do for you because it, it can get a bit weird and dangerous if, if you let it do too much. Yeah, people always say, like, you can't tell when it's written by ChatGPT, and I say I can tell every time. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. unless you're an insane prompt engineer, like, you, yeah. won't, you won't be able to, like, get it to write a human-type message. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree. 100%. And what have been the biggest challenges for you in terms of your business and how have you overcome them? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on, you know, I mean, I said there's, you know, I have multiple businesses. Uh, I guess I'll start with, you know, from the law, from the law firm perspective, I have a, I have a vision of, you know, a, a better legal system. <laughs> Uh, of uh, uh, that supports and what I mean by that is a system that's built better to support businesses, right? So what I did was I, I I said, you know, why don't businesses use lawyers more, right? Why do they why do they think they should be using Google so much? And if you look at it, really, it all it all really falls back to one thing: it's cost, right? It's not yeah. because they don't think lawyers are still good at what they do. It's because lawyers cost too much and they charge too much. And the whole model is really broken, particularly here in the United States. I know South Africa has a very similar legal system. So my guess is, is you probably have some of the same issues. Yeah. So what I did was I said, why don't I take it and look at it more like a startup and treat businesses the way a startup would treat them, right? I won't have, you know, big offices. I'll keep my, I'll keep really lean. I'll use tech. You know, so I do use, you know, lots of different tech that, you know, 
some of the AI base for contract, you know, evaluation and understanding, but, you know, always having the legal oversight over top of it. And then there's, you know, uh, how do you charge, right? So if you go to subscription and flat fee models, you can change the game, right? So that's kind of been a game changer. The challenge is, is that sometimes people look at the service and they say, you can't possibly, it's too cheap, right? It's yeah. the, it, which, which is so bizarre to me, right? When somebody says, well, it's, it's, it's in, why is it so inexpensive? Well, because I changed the model, that's why. Because I don't have a building that has, you know, I'm not on the 51st floor of some building with, you know, 40,000 square feet of space and 30 attorneys and 20 paralegals and 15 secretaries that I don't need. I don't need exactly. any of it. <laughs> right. I can do what they do and you just need me. And maybe I need an associate or maybe I have another person. But it doesn't matter. Right. The model's totally broken. So the model's created uh, an inertia in the bit in the in the sector that you have to you have to kind of push through that hurdle. So the way I push through it is really a lot of this, right? Uh, yeah. Podcasts, social, you know, a lot of social posting, a lot of blogging on the the way the industry is and how do you push through an industry. So it is, I like to say, you know, I, I like disruptive tech or disrupt anything disruptive, right? So, and that can be anything from, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, we're trying to blow an entire small business. I'm really trying to blow up the, business lawyer business for small businesses right that's my goal is to shatter it right but that's okay right but it could be yeah. some smaller too disruptive can just be you know you took a process and you made it that much better that you disrupted that piece of the industry so most of the things that i do try to disrupt something you know right now we're we're uh we're looking at you know so we're building out a, a new platform called you create with the goal of blowing up the user generated content marketplace because the marketplace is it's so disjointed so if you're a use you know you're a you know you're a social media person you're a, you know you make videos you do tiktoks you know you do your photography and you're at you're in a small town in the middle of middle of the country right and you're really good at what you do but you have no way and you have a nice little following you're a micro influencer maybe you have 5,000, 10,000 followers, you're a brand, like you're a brand like Coca-Cola. And you're saying, wow, if I could get to that, that's a really good market for me. They have no way to get to that person, right? The yeah. the levels they have to get through and research off to do to get there, they're never, it's going to take forever. So the whole idea is if you build a platform and I build a model for them, you could disrupt the market, right? Because you could build a really good network of these user and user user generated content influencers and give them a platform to connect with agencies and brands. So, and that came from my social media team that I was talking with them and saying, Hey, you know, what's a problem that you guys are seeing? And that they said, that's a problem. We said, well, why don't we, why don't we look at that? Why don't we build something for it? So that's how, that's how the concept comes about. So we kind of trying to break through, that and push and use technology, right? So I have a tech house in Serbia, like I said, use that tech house to to build something to try to break through. Okay, 100%. Yeah. And on that point, you said about people being worried about such a low price. I also find that super interesting because I, I've been reading uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini's book, uh, Psychology of Persuasion. 
Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the levers of persuasion is price adjusting um, because they, they did an experiment where this jewelry store was struggling to sell their jewelry. So they kept discounting the prices and discounting and nothing changed. They didn't make any more sales. They actually made less sales. And then one day the lady, the owner of the store left a note for one of her employees to say, hey, reduce everything by 50%. And the employee accidentally read it by increase everything by 50%. And they did that and they had the best sale day of their life. Wow. Um, really interesting. Uh, yeah. And obviously industry dependent, but people associate a higher price with a better product. Yeah. Um, and that's such a crazy thing to do because when you're trying to disrupt markets and industries, you, the biggest thing to come down on is price, uh, apart right. from efficiency and, you just, there's just like quite a fine line between like a realistic price and something that seems so ridiculous. It can't be, it's too good to be true. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting. That's that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it, you're, you're, it's like, you're always trying to figure out like, how do you like, you know, like the whole idea is to make it the, the product or the service more accessible and yeah, have exactly. people buying it. And so you're always trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the price for that? Yeah. And I, I always compare it to like diamonds, for example. Like if you told your fiance you bought her diamond ring at a 50% discount, she'd be, most of the time, she'd be very upset about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> they want you to yeah. pay a lot of money, even though it's the same product. It's, uh, it's the same exact product. It, it's so super interesting how people's brains work with, with money yeah. and pricing. Um, I also just realized we are running out of time, but yeah. I wanted to ask you before we go, what advice would you give to other business owners looking to succeed in your industry and actually business owners in general? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, so I do a lot of like, you know, startup advisory work and, you know, help try to help people, you know, get their businesses moving. Uh, I always say, you know, product market fit first, right? Before you spend too much money on everything, you know, really figure out that you tested it and know that what you have is going to actually be something that people really want. Yeah. Just because you think they want it and you may want it and you talk to one or two people, that's not enough. You got to really do the research and test that out because you could spend a whole lot of money and a whole lot of time building something and then find out that it doesn't really fit the market and there's really not a lot of need for it. And that's from my own experience, right? I've done it myself, right? built the piece of software that, you know, I really thought was like, because when I ran a business, it was a great piece of, I built it for myself. I thought it was amazing. And I thought, and I had one or two people say, wow, that's really great. I would love to get that. Well, it was one or two. You need like a hundred, right? So I don't yeah. know why those balloons just shot up. That was weird. <laughs> but, you know, the, I, th I think, you know, that, that is probably one of the places where I say you really need to focus your efforts in the beginning is doing the homework before you really get moving. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that. Um, and I appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you for your time today, Mark. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your business. What is the best way for people to reach out to Mark Snyderman if you have any offers for them to take advantage of or if they're looking to follow your journey? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can follow me on, I'm on social media. Everything is all the same. Mark Snyderman, M-A-R-C-S-N-Y-D-E-R-M-A-N. That's on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I also have a TikTok called Biz Law Guy. 
uh, B-I-Z law guy. And there's a whole lot of videos there for, you know, people just interested in learning about different portions of the law, different thoughts on ethics, on business. I put a lot of, I put a lot of content out. Uh, so that's probably the easiest way, www.marksteinerman.com. Uh, you know, and you know, my email's all in there and you can, you can reach me anywhere from there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it.